Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Sex Actually podcast. How's everybody doing today? Doing well? It is your host, Dave Neal. Hi, everybody. I am, uh, you know, it's been a bit since I've done a solo episode. I uh, I feel naked, as it were. I'm not. I am wearing my uh, pajamas. It is in the afternoon on a Tuesday. That's where my life's at. Not following the 9 to 5, tell you that much, folks. I've been painting all day. You ever do that blue-collar shit? You just get your hands dirty. I have white paint in my hair, looking at old me in the mirror. Uh, yeah, I'm doing a lot of housekeeping right now, trying to uh, start 2018 off on a high note. New walls, build a barn door that's going to separate the bedroom from the office so I can actually get some work done while the old lady's getting some shut-eye, some late-night uh, writing maybe. Some blogging? I don't know. Boy, do I wind down real slow at the end of the year. I, I, I should be more aware of this next year, but it's almost like anything productive you want to do in December, you go, uh, you know, I might as well just start it in 2018. The year's around the corner. Can you believe this shit? 2018? When did I start this podcast? 2013? 14? I don't even know. 15? I have no idea. My concept of time is all based on when I graduated high school or college. Graduated college in 07. So whenever I'm like, how old am I? I'm like, well, 07. It's been 10 years since I graduated. It's amazing. It's amazing how little you get done and how much you get done, depending on how you want to look at it. I for sure thought I would own multiple properties and have a horse ranch and uh, a boat and all these things by my age. But at the same time, I'm happy with where I am. You know, I'm happy. I'm happy with where I am in the safe place where I'm still terrified. Um, fear is a motivating factor uh, to do more in life, but uh, but I'm also trying to appreciate just where I am today. You know what I mean? So where are you guys? Where's everyone listening from? We wrote. We had some our, uh, some uh, listeners. We had a lady write in from Slovenia last time we talked. And um, as I tell you guys, I need, if you've listened to, uh, what, what do I say? If you've listened to 12 episodes, it means you're supposed to write in. You are no longer allowed to listen without writing in. So let's read some uh, some people. And by the way, do we not have the, mo- the most best looking audience out there? Everyone is good looking. Everyone who writes in has like an amazing Gmail photo. You're all good looking, men and women. I am not... Uh, targeting one gender over the other i had a where was i the other day i was talking oh i was out i was talking to a buddy of mine and this dude drove by stopped and asked me a question he was like looking he was he was working for postmates so he was looking for he was like asking where he could deliver something this guy was the most good looking guy i've seen in like two years he was so i i was like speechless i don't want to fuck him but i couldn't Get, I was flustered. <laughs> you ever get flustered by someone who you're not interested in? And you're just like, oh my gosh, I, was, I got lost in this man's eyes. Anyway, folks, a uh, little confessional there for you. It's okay to get lost in somebody's eyes, even if you don't want to have sex with that gender. Or do you? I don't know. I'm not quite into it. But hey, to each his own. And this man was beautiful. I have some good-looking friends. I don't know what it is. I like to look at good-looking people. Here's the thing with attraction, though, to me, is I don't know if you can just break it down um, like the X's and O's of someone's face symmetry, because good looking, it sounds vain, but it is so, so much related to if the person's a good person, isn't it? Don't you? I mean, I can break down people that like aren't traditionally good looking, but I find them super attractive, both men and women. And it really comes down to how much they're smiling and making eye contact and have confidence and all those things that I think, um, you know, you kind of like illustrate to you someone that's trustworthy and nice and fun. And anyway, for those of you that are listening, I suspect most of you are that type because you sound like good people. Everyone who writes in is so well written. Um, You're honest. It's it's just it's a good we're at we're at a good place. You know, there's a lot of shit going on in this world that some might say uh, is not good, of course, uh, but the result of it is amazing. The Me Too movement. It's beautiful. I had a dude write in. I won't, I'm not going to read his email. Because I think I deleted it or something. This dude wrote in and he was like, I can tell you're a feminist. 
I'm not just reading it in an asshole way. You, you could get, you could, you could understand his tone through it. And I was like, well, I mean, look, I'm a guy. I want women to be happy. I'm not a white knight about that. There's nothing like woke about what about where I stand with my relations with women. I still struggle with control. I I have friends. I have female friends that in the comedy world they'll they'll. Uh, you know, something good will happen to them. This one girl got a, uh, you know, got a sitcom. She got like a development deal. And part of me still like, oh, fuck it. Yeah, that must be nice. Must be easy when the whole industry wants is a funny woman. And you're just like, what am I doing right now? Just be happy for them. You know what I mean? I'm not competing against women. Uh, some of the best, most of the best jobs I've got in this industry and in life and um and dates through friends mainly come from women. Women help me out because I'm not a threat to them. They're not a threat to me, you know? And uh, so I wouldn't say that I'm a crazy feminazi, you know, but, um, you know, there's a line drawn with what's right and wrong. Um, and, and, and that's easy to see right now more than ever. you right. I mean, it's easy to see when it's like, okay, maybe Matt Lauer shouldn't have been showing dildos to his coworker. You know what I mean? But it's also, it's also weird because I work in comedy where I can have super lewd conversations with females, with other comedians, and and it's sort of a you know no holds barred. Uh, I, I hate to call it respect, but when you're talking, when comics talk to each other, it's some of the most honest, non PC things out there. But you kind of have to know your place. I'm not I'm not relating it to the Donald Trump um, ac- access was access Hollywood. Is that what it's called? That was like, he's like, you know, you know, I, I, I run on her like a bitch or whatever. It's like, okay, well you're pushing it a little too far. If you want to, you know, in the private company, uh, share a sex story where like, Oh yeah, dude, she was into me. She fucking hopped on my dick and we were having a blast. She was wild. It was crazy. Well, okay. That's a conversation. When you talk locker room talk, that's a conversation you might have with your friends. I'm sure there are women out there who go, no, that's degrading. This and that. It's like, well, but that's what men do. We share stories of conquest, but conquest comes from mutual agreeing parties. Conquest isn't about, um, uh, just showing your control that you can have over people. Like, I'm so famous, she'll fuck me no matter what. It's like, well, okay, that's kind of psychotic. Maybe, you know, anyway, anyway uh, look, I'm, uh, I always feel I need to explain myself. Um, there are so many women that I'm meeting that are against the Me Too movement, and I'm just, I'm, I'm in support of it. I mean, look, uh, here's, here's, here's what, what's going to happen. That's a concern, is good guys are going to get overly, you know, they're going to get overly pers- uh what's the term not persecuted they're going to get overly railroaded you know like if a guy grabs a girl's ass should he be fired um i think i think it i think there needs to be sort of uh a gray area where you go okay Pete um grabbed somebody's ass and is reported to HR and he's going to have to go to therapy he's going to have to really make sure he understands why you can't do that at work does he get fired? Maybe, maybe, I don't know. Maybe he does. Maybe that's too far. But there are instances where it's like, okay, well, like maybe, maybe, you know, we all got that coworker who's the shoulder massage guy. So, all right, man, some of my best shoulder massages came from dudes that I'm friends with. My buddy Diggs, the guy, my buddy, my good friend who passed away last year, fucking rock solid arms. He's just like a strong, a very strong man. <laughs> and I'd see him and he'd give me this like, Deep down massage. I'm not, you're not lighting candles. He's just walking by. Hey, Dave, how are you doing? Gives me that three second rub. That's fucking amazing. But you can't do that to a woman you don't know. You know what I mean? There's, there, there is context with everything. And what I worry about is that context uh, will be taken away and we'll just say, no one can touch anybody. You know what I love about our country, actually, is when I studied abroad in France, they, had, they did the bisou, which is the cheek kiss. And guys would kiss guys and girls would kiss girls and guys would kiss girls and it'd go back and forth. And you would give either one to four kisses Now, correct me if there's any French listeners. You would give either one to four kisses depending on A, how well you knew the person, and B, the region where you're from. It was just a different type of greeting. So if you didn't know someone, one kiss. Two, I mean, don't get me wrong. Four kisses is fucking excessive, but you'd see it all the time. You're like, holy shit, fucking fuck already. 
But that's just what they do. That's their way of saying hello. But sometimes you go cheek to cheek, and my buddy Etienne, he'd, he'd give you a kiss. Guys give each other the bazoo. It's, it's so common in other parts of the world. But anyway, we're a little weird with that. Um, I know in the metropolitan places you'll give someone the side kiss, but you don't see like guys doing it so often, and it's, it, it couldn't be uh, more normal in countries like France. But, um, you know, I, I was... Uh, always a hugger so i'd go I'd, I'd greet my friends in france with a hug and uh i got many comments from people none, none bad that they actually loved that we embraced that way because a hug is actually pretty personal your chests are touching each other that's probably more personal than uh a cheek kiss but uh pretty common in our world to give hugs i always gave hugs in high school I gave hugs in college. I loved, I still do. I love giving hugs. Um, it's weird to think that that might be, uh, you know, there are people that can give hugs and hold too long. That's where the context comes in. What's their intention? Are they smelling you? Like, what are they, you know, what are they, are they creepy? And then, then the hug is not good. So it shouldn't be like, hugs are banned from uh, campus. It should be like, let's, Let's know when something's creepy and back away. I'm not saying that it's the women's job to back away. I'm saying men have to do a better job of knowing if the hug is welcomed. It's so it's so complicated and it's so simple. Uh, what do you guys think? Am I just talking out of my ass right now? Uh, I don't even, you know what I mean? Like I, I'm lucky enough to be working in the stand-up community where it is literally, I think, the last place in the world where people treat each other for the most part with transparency and honesty. Don't get me wrong. There are dudes trying to fuck chicks in the comedy world. Hey, we should go write sometime. Hey, you want to come, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then they're just, you know, misconstruing what they actually want. But there's also, you know, so many of my friends, black, Jewish, white, straight, trans, anything you can think of, you know, hey, but in the end, we all go up on stage and go, oh, this crowd fucking sucks. You know, we're all fighting the same fight. It's just, I, I hope, I hope we can get to this place where we really, look past the, the, these meat suits that we're part of. You know what I mean? Sure, there's plenty of shitty straight white men. Oh, are there shitty women? Oh, there's some sassy gays that can really get under my skin. You know what I mean? But why? it's just too easy. You know, it's what I talk about. I've been saying on this podcast a bunch how um, I'm, I'm sick of uh, people in my life asking me about my side jobs and not my profession, you know, not what I love to do. They're like, oh, hey, how's Solar going? Or, oh, hey, how's the side gig? And... It's kind of like the same thing with um, how we label people. We just put everything into a box. Our brain, even those of us that aren't really OCD, our brain compartmentalizes everything. So when we see go somebody, we go, oh, that's the dude who runs his own painting company. Hey, how's painting going? And it's like, well, that's something he does, but it's not all of him. I'm getting nitpicky. But the point is, we're not just a ballerina, a poet, a construction worker, a this, a that, a straight white man, a trans lady, a comedian. We're all we're just fucking all trying to identify like these specific things that we are. And I well I fit into this tribe, but I fit into this tribe. You know what? We're all and this is where I lose people, we're all trying to do good in life. Even the fucked up ones. And when you can see someone who's really fucked up, I it just if we can have an ounce of compassion towards them. My father was fucked up. Passed away five years ago. Fucked up guy. Never really got to know him. Met him when I was 20. You guys know the story. Fucked up guy. Vietnam vet. Married six times. Bunch of different kids. Um, Post-traumatic stress. Could you see a good guy within there? Absolutely. Absolutely there's a good guy in there. Um, he's scared. He's confused. He doesn't trust people. But he's good. And he means well, but does he push people away? My buddy, Jared. I got a buddy I can't talk to anymore. He's one of my best friends. I know if I saw him out and I was like in trouble, like say say there was a bar fight going on, he would step in and, and you know, help me out. He's a friend for life, but I can't talk to him. There's too much fucked up shit. There's too much like, uh, too many trust issues and, and resentment and anger. We used to call him mob, mad at the world. Because... It's it, it, he's still a great guy, but boy, do we have hangups. Anyway, I want to do my part in this coming year to really see people 
and see strangers as family. Because in the end, I've been blessed where I live in Los Angeles. It's just this like melting pot. It really is. I had this when I lived in New York. Not so much when I lived in Boston. I was a bunch. Boston wasn't really diverse. It just wasn't. You know what I mean? You can't hate a city. It's just not. But New York was fucking diverse. I lived in Harlem. I lived in a very Dominican-heavy neighborhood uh, where, where you'd get the Dominican culture, the black culture, the Cuban, the Mexican, Puerto Re- tons of Puerto Rican. You get all that. Now in Los Angeles, I live in Koreatown. I get the Mexican culture, the Korean culture, a ton of artists because you get the white. You know, there's a, it's, it's, it's interesting because you see the guy. You know, we have a guy in the alley every morning. Tamale, 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 tamale. Tamale, 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 tamale. He's selling fucking tamales. That's great. That's what he does. He he might as well be my dad. You know what I mean? A guy who's just hustling, trying to you know. There, it's he's somebody's dad, and it's 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 high time that with all of the, you know, clickbait titles and alt right and and the left is fucking this. It's like well, it's it's high time we just start treating everybody like family. Which is funny because we also treat our family like pieces of shit sometimes. Our spouses, our our close friends, we treat them like pieces of shit because, you know, we, we get a little too close. Treat them like cousins. You know what I mean? Yeah, everyone's nice to their cousins. You don't get too far into your skin. Treat strangers like cousins. And uh, maybe we'll be on to something in 2018. Collectively, like the global conscience, maybe we're on to something. Maybe as, you know, they've got these new apps that uh, translate languages in your ear so you could literally go to Dubai and speak English and it'll translate and go back and forth and maybe we don't have such a divide in, in Islamophobia and um, uh, the fucking uh, Mexican, we, we, uh, build that wall. Maybe that's not there when we can actually understand each other, look into each other's eye and say, hey, you know, it's just amazing what you learn the more you travel and, and get to see people for for who they are, which is for the most part, compassion. People are compassionate. Strangers help each other. I've always said this in New York. In my, in my whole time in New York, I've never seen somebody fall down on a train. You look at a busy train in New York, sometimes it'll be her, her, herky-jerky, whatever, and a strange, if someone starts to fall because the train wobbles, a stranger will push them in the right direction. We all work together as one unit, universe, one song, right? We all work together as one unit when push comes to shove. The first responders at some of these um, horrible tragedies, they don't know who they're going to save. They're going into harm's way. The firefighters, they, it's, just, it's just insane. The, the examples are out there of heroes, of people that act with compassion, and it's, it's up to us the next time we're fighting over a parking spot or at Walmart doing Christmas shopping to stop for a second and just acknowledge people as if they were, you know, part of our tribe. it. You're part of the tribe. Wrote in from London. Let's read it. Hi, Dave. I start, by the way, she wrote into sexactuallypodcast at gmail.com. You're all uh, going to write in, aren't you? She wrote, Hi, Dave. I started listening to your podcast after watching your Bachelor recap videos on YouTube, and I really enjoy it. Thank you for being so open and thoughtful and funny. I recently listened to the episode where you said, if you've listened to 12 episodes or more, write in to introduce yourself. So here I am. I'm just going to write a lot of stuff, which will probably bore you to tears. But anyway, here we go. I'm 31, living in London. Up until a year ago and a half ago, I was a professional ballet dancer and am now a teacher, choreographer, manager, and all sorts in the dance industry. I meet lots of different people all the time, but I'm hard to date because I work a lot of different freelance jobs, which are often booked last minute, plus I sometimes go on tour. I'm good at what I do, and my career has a lot of momentum at the moment, so I spend a lot of time and energy on my work, and I'm truly passionate about it. I have suffered from depression in the past, but I'm doing much better now that I've changed my career and feel I have agency over what I'm doing. Ballet dancers are pretty much expected to be seen and not heard, which I struggle with, especially as I approach 30. But now I have a voice, and people want to know what I have to say. And I have confidence in the things I am saying. I am totally different. Um, I just realized I said her first name. I'm sorry. I'm outing you. I said your name. I'm not going to change it. It's from London. It's a totally different life, and my confidence is at the highest it has ever been. So although I am busy, I have my shit together, and I feel ready to date someone. I was in relationships from my teens until my mid-20s and took an unavoidable break from all that while I moved to a few different countries to follow my work as a dancer. So apart from some short-term things, I have been single for more or less seven years. Now I'm back in London, and unfortunately, I've made a lot of bad decisions by dating younger guys who aren't ready for what I'm ready for. You want the young dick? Uh, 
Yeah, don't go younger, guys. I'm definitely fun, but always ends badly. And I can't, it's definitely fun, but always ends badly. And I can't blame anyone but myself for that. I think it was partly a reaction to stopping dancing and being able to enjoy life a bit more, but it's also circumstantial because of my work. I don't want to complain that I work with a lot of attractive people all the time, but it can be confusing. Anyway, terrible idea. Listening to your podcast has given me a great perspective, not only on a man's point of view in general, but also on the ways I've acted badly, stupidly, or out of a lack of judgment or mis management of expectations. The difference in perspective between what I hear from you and what I hear from the boys I have been dating is glaring. I should have been able to work this out myself, but when I fall for someone, I fall hard and that madness is completely blinding. I am working on this. Okay, uh, just to cut in, I cannot tell you how much of a fuck boy I have been in my life, okay? You're listening to me uh, polish a lot of turds over here, okay? So don't think that I haven't been that guy that um, you know that didn't ha- know a good thing when I saw it. So just to say that, I'm not trying to claim that I'm any better or worse than anybody else. But uh, young men, yeah, they got a lot of work to do. Got a lot of girls to date, hearts to break. It ain't pretty. The men I have, and anyway, let's finish this up. The men I have dated since I returned to London felt that they were superior to me in every way. Wow. And they believed their own hype so much that I believed it too and validated their behavior, some of which bordered on abusive. I repeatedly lost confidence and couldn't get a realistic handle on how well everything is going in my life, which in turn made me less good at my work. My friends, sensible 30-somethings, told me I was being... That should be the name of the podcast. Sensible (laughs) 30-somethings. My friends, sensible 30-somethings, told me I was being totally stupid and they were right. I have just been way too trusting. I enjoy that these guys are attracted to me and go along with it, but haven't been sensible enough to accept that they just want sex. Looking back, it's totally obvious, and listening to your podcast has illuminated all of this further. I don't want to generalize completely about young men, but I definitely need to be more careful. I like to think I can have flings and short-term romances, but it turns out it just messes with my head way too much. I think it's fairly obvious that at my age, I am ready for something serious and am involving myself with people who are not ready. It's a horrible cycle and needs to stop. I pride myself on being an independent, self-employed, badass woman, but when it comes to dating, I am such a ridiculous cliche. But recognizing it is the first step, right? It is so many steps. You are so more evolved than you think. I'm going to read that line again. I pride myself on being an independent, self-employed, badass woman. Fuck yeah! Get it, girl! I'm reading, is this Beyonce emailing me? You're an independent woman. I-N-D-E-P-E-N-D-E-N-Z-E. You know what I mean? I probably spelled that wrong. Independent. (laughs) Oh, boy. I think it's fair. I get so motivated when I read emails like this because you're a good fucking person. You know what I mean? Not everyone can, can articulate what's in their brain through their fingertips, type it out so, so like, perfectly as you're doing right now you you're so valuable as a person as a stranger on the other side of the globe and i first of all really appreciate that you listen and i really appreciate that you wrote in let's uh, keep this conversation going i think it's fairly obvious that at my age i am uh, i am ready for something serious and am involving myself with people who are not ready it's a horrible cycle oh i already read that part sorry I pride myself on being an independent, self-employed, badass woman. Independent, self-employed, a badass woman. I listened to one of your episodes a little while ago where you talked about finding your best self and you said that if you have a great life on your own, what guy wouldn't want to be a part of it? It was a bit of a light bulb moment and I realized that I was selling myself short. I'm getting emotional. I have a great life and need someone who is excited by that rather than bored or annoyed. The flip side of that is that I want to find them exciting too. And the ones I currently find most exciting are the ones who are inappropriate for me. But that's something I need to work out and probably change my criteria based on my mistakes. Um, I'm back in a good place after those experiences. I just moved into a flat on my own in an area that I love and feel good about myself and my social life. And I'm loving my work while trying to take a little time for myself too. Uh, is going to throw a party at her flat in London. <laughs> I love that you guys call it a flat. I should call mine a flat. Studio is too lame. Podcasting from my flat. 
So thank you for putting into words the exact thing that I needed to hear. I'm a regular listener and hope your audience continues to grow. If you do happen to read any of this out, I would prefer if you don't use my name. Fuck! Ah! But I'm also aware that anybody in the ballet world would know exactly who it is. It's a ridiculously small world. Oh, no! Do I have to bleep your name? Oh, that's going to take me forever. Okay. All right. I'm going to bleep her name. Let's call her Tanya. Shit. Ah, I should have read this first. Thanks again. I'm really enjoying your podcast. You and Tasha are great together and have so much valuable stuff to say. Please keep going. All the best. Tanya. Okay, Tanya. Quote, unquote, Tanya. That just added 15 minutes of work trying to bleep out everything. Let me see. When did we start? 15 bleep. Uh, Tanya. Okay. So many good things in this email. First of all, you've, you have mentioned some limitations here that you continually go for the bad guy and that's what you're into. Um, but the, you said you currently find most exciting are the ones who are inappropriate for me. Sort of. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely going to be the low-hanging flute. There will be a flute, fruit. There's a low-hanging flute. Um, <laughs> uh, the more exciting ones are generally the uh, footloose and carefree and... Hey, let's uh be let's go do something. Let's go fuck on the top of this cathedral or whatever. I don't know what kids do these days. Uh, but there, yeah, it's not gonna happen overnight. It's gonna happen. It could happen overnight. But I think just keep with that light bulb moment that you need to work on on just being yourself and 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 what's sexy in to you. Uh, um, I'm sure you know. I'm not a dancer. I don't know if you know this. I'm not a dancer. Uh, but. If it's anything like the performance industries I work in, we need validation. We talk about love languages and affirmations. We need validation from the casting director to the audience to the fellow dancer to the boyfriend to the girlfriend. We need to be told that what we're doing is right, that it's on the good path, that we have talent, that uh, we're sharing. You know what I mean? It's something we won't outgrow. We will not outgrow the need to be validated by others. Uh, what translates that into sex? I'm not a sex therapist. I couldn't tell you for sure. I have definitely filled voids by having sex. Um, I don't necessarily regret it, but I have to remember um, I can get the approval of... I'm, I'm in a lucky place now where I can get the approval of men and women by doing stand-up and by having good friends and things like that. I don't um, necessarily need to have the sex for approval. Don't get me wrong. I want to have sex every day. I want to have sex on the beach. I want... Uh, not a bad drink, by the way. I uh, Yeah. So I'm sure you meet guys and they're fucking into you. I'm sure you're you're a ballerina. That's fucking hot. That's fucking hot, kid. Fucking ballerina doing position one and two over here. Don't date a Boston guy. Um, so, yeah, you're going to meet guys that might be the low-hanging flute, as it was. As it was. You, you might meet guys that are a little more on the hunt. Uh, it's like um, you need to be um, – it's like a rodeo, right? There's a bull coming at you. You know, sidestep. Let that guy out of the way. There's something better behind him. Let that guy be the lead blocker. So for every dude that you meet that's like, oh, yeah, I want to fuck. I want to smash this chick. His ballet. You know, there might be another guy who's maybe um, a little timid. He's not a bad guy. Maybe, maybe um, I don't know. He's out there. And it sounds like um, you're in a place where you're not uh, desperately rushed. I would just say um, don't, don't take that low-hanging fruit. And just um, climb the tree a little bit. And uh, you're going to see a lot that's out there. But yeah, it's the industry. I get it. You know, dan being a dancer must be extremely difficult because it's like you have you have a ticking clock working against you with the physical demands of the industry. When I went to the um, Screen Actors Guild in New York, I used to kind of like meander around there, the SAG office. And um, they had... Um, different support groups and they had a support group for injured dancers and it sounds funny it sounds like an snl sketch or something oh a support group for injured dancers but it's like well if you can't dance if you like break your hip or you know have plantar fasciitis or i don't know a hangnail you can't do the thing that you love that you spend your whole life doing and we're not getting any younger in this speeding rock that shoots through uh, outer space so you know, you're, you're transitioning into teaching and that's an amazing thing, being a choreographer, because you get to share that love and not necessarily take the physical toll on your body that 
being a professional ballet dancer must take. I mean, it must be incredible. Are you like duck footed? Do you walk with your toes pointing out? Like you can spot a dancer anyway. I dated a dancer once and it was fucking amazing. She was great. Um, I don't mean to say that like I missed her. It was like, it was just, you know, like I, I have such an appreciation for the arts, especially that of which I cannot do dancers, singers, things like that. Um, so you said you were in a relationship and you took a break while you were on tour. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you're doing the right shit. I, you, you know, by all means, you probably have your head on way straighter than I do. Just keep on, you know, you know, it's like, where are you meeting? Let me ask you this. Uh, Tanya, your fake name. Fuck, I can't believe I have to redo all that. Let me ask you this. Tanya, where are you meeting these guys? You know, I'm meeting them outside of the ballet world. Um, I mean, it must be easy to shit where you eat. Uh, that's a term I don't know if you're familiar with in London. But uh, yeah, don't shit where you eat. Uh, you might get poop on your food. Don't, uh, don't. Um, I don't know, maybe maybe uh, meeting someone who's, it's hard. It's like, you know, you 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 probably have a social life that's built around dancing, but I don't know. Maybe you'll meet some single dudes, uh, you know, pick up a, maybe pick up a side hobby if you can to do something a little different. And some guy might go, Oh shit, I got my shit together, but this chick is pursuing her dreams. I remember I was kind of like seeing this girl, she ended up ghosting on me. And the biggest problem I, I thought, I thought she didn't appreciate what I did in life um, as an artist. And like, as a guy who didn't have a stable income, I was like, Oh, she's not taking me seriously. But as it turns out, the issue that, that I was, it was relayed to me. I believe what the issue was uh, partly uh, was that she wasn't doing what she wanted to do in life. So she was having this like breakdown crisis because she was working some corporate job where she didn't really, wasn't able to feel loved and expressive. When we don't express who we are on the inside, bad things happen. I mean, it's true. You'll, you'll build an illness, a callous a resentment towards others who are pursuing their life because you know you're not being authentic to who you are. I'm not saying that's you. You're obviously um, working in the dance world and you've got all that going on for you. But these men who um, are beating their chest and act like they've got all their shit together, they obviously don't appreciate what you do. Because let me tell you something right now. Don't judge yourself based on that paycheck you cash at the end of the day. You know what I mean? Any one of us could be a finance bro. We have all got the calculator app on our phone. I studied business. They're making fucking millions right now. I don't need to be a I don't need to be investing in Bitcoin. I don't need cryptocurrencies. I don't want that to be the the fucking thing on my tombstone. Dave Neal, billionaire. Bitcoin. Crypto and currency. No, I don't need that. No. Made people laugh. Was a friend to many. You know what I mean? Like that's what is important to me. A friend to many. Um I tell you what, I'm oh shit, I just said your name again. Motherfucker. I said it at thirty two. Jeez, I need to remember this. You did it. You, you, you specifically said, don't you say your name. And I did. So um, there's going to be a lot of bleeps going on. I'm trying my best, Tanya. Um, but I'm saying I value your story so much. Um, I've received more of these types of stories this year. And it's not, I didn't start a podcast to be physically and emotionally moved by some of the readers. And, and, it, and it gets me every time. It does. Because you're good people, you're good people out there. My uh, my truck driver in Virginia, uh, my single mom who's out there, um, my uh, my friends in Canada and Florida and now London. You're good fucking people. I'm gonna move on from this email now, um, but uh, let me write me back. You said you suffered from depression, and um, what did you do to kind of get through that? You know, because a lot of people do whether it's seasonal or whatever sort of depression, you know, that lingers, what did you do to get over it? Um, please let us know. Um, and congrats on, on being able to call yourself a professional and do what you love. Um, and also bachelor recaps coming back. Uh, I love that you found me on bachelor recap. I'm going to make sure that this year I try to do live recaps right after the episodes, because I find that by being on the West coast, I'm watching the episodes three hours behind the East coast and people are watching the East Coast recaps first, and I'm not getting like as much uh, searchability because so many people that write in, you wrote in, and our friend from Slovenia, and all these, so many people that write in found me through Bachelor recaps. I could care less about the Bachelor. It's a good exercise for me to talk shit about 
random strangers. And it's good to kind of get psychological and delve into that, who makes them, how they are and whatnot. But, um, I really do appreciate that, um, uh, that there's a, a small but loyal number of you that have come over from the Bachelor Recaps. If you've never watched my Bachelor Recaps, I don't know if you need to watch the show to appreciate them. Just go find my YouTube, on uh, Dave Neal on YouTube, and um, you'll see my Bachelor Recaps. It's really me kind of, it's a little more structured than my podcast. I write down a few things. I take notes, but I just shit on people. Um, that's all. That's all I do. I just shit on, I just make fun of people. You know, I don't know. It's It's interesting when someone's like, talking about that they're going on this, you know, dating reality show to find love. And there they are like not, you know, they've got two young kids. They, they're not dealing with at home. Hey, Amanda, how are you? But anyway, I just like to uh, poke fun of people. So thank you so much, uh, Tanya. And um, I'm going to read a few questions. Oh, here's, okay. Tasha sent me this. Tasha loves to send me um, different uh, emails or uh, literature that I have to deal in the realm of uh, what we talked about with the podcast. So here's a Huffington Post article called Holiday Magic is Made by Women and It's Killing Us. The emotional labor women do this time of year threatens our mental health. Now, I'm not disagreeing with this, but it annoys me so much that women um, or, or society has put so much pressure on people during the holidays. Yeah, like why don't, you know what I mean? Why in today's world are we still sending Christmas cards? I love it. I get it. I love it when they come in. But like we don't, if that stresses us out, if the act of putting together Christmas cards stresses us out, why do we do it? I know I sound kind of lazy questioning this, but like if it stresses us out, why the fuck do we have to do it? Getting things all ready. It's one thing to have things look nice. It's another to lose your fucking cool over it. I've got friends. I've got women, uh, female friends that have called me this year, and they're so fucking stressed about things. I know Tasha will admit to it, and I'm not trying to add on to any of that stress. But here we have articles saying, "Well, emotional labor uh, is is too much on women, and it's killing our mental health." Okay, well, let's fucking slow down. This is holidays about eating good food, being with friends and family and sharing gifts and gratitude. And it's not about, you know, who's got the cutest photo. How do we make it so fucking hard? Women already perform the bulk of emotional labor, but during the holidays, this work ramps up. I'm going to spark notes this article. How to manage the stress of emotional labor this time of year. Do you guys listening get emotional labor? I know, I'm not trying to hijack this cause for men because I know emotional labor is something that we talk more about women feeling the emotional labor. But do men, I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm covered in paint today. I've done a ton of like housework. I'm painting shit. I'm hanging walls. I'm doing this. I rerouted the fucking TV and put a new speaker system in. I'm not claiming emotional labor. So what is it that is, is our... Are women being given too many tasks subconsciously for the for relationships, for the family? You know, it's like saying, oh, honey, where are my boots? And then every time she has to go, they're underneath the fucking, you know, every time that happens, it's a little bit of emotional labor. I would prefer that this isn't an issue. I would much prefer that emotional labor wasn't an issue um, because there would be more happy, less resentfulness during the holidays. And wouldn't that be nice? So um, let's find out how to do this. Um, question the voice of your inner critic that says you're not good enough. That's what Melody Wilding says, a licensed therapist. Experts say that this type of intense pressure can lead to perfectionism. And in its most extreme form, perfectionism can be associated with mental health issues. Research has linked perfectionism with anxiety, depression, and even thoughts of self-harm. Holy shit! Are we, are, we, are we hitting the nail on the head? It's perfectionism. Perfectionism is the problem. I'll tell you, I'll tell you something. Um, not a trait that I have. <laughs> perfect. I'm not perfect. I'm not a perfectionist. Am I, does that make me like stupidly happy? Kind of. Can I, can I get away with a little bit of messiness? Sure. So by me not being a perfectionist and by Tasha being a perfectionist, it puts all the pressure on her, almost bottlenecks her to deal with all the shit that I'm okay with letting slide. And no, no, don't get me wrong. I'm not making this, I'm not saying this is right, but are men less perfectionist than women? 
what makes someone a perfectionist? Is it society? Is it uh, mothers being like, you need to have your dinner ready on the table and have the rosemary and the fucking the holly leaves. You need to go, hey, honey, you got to go pick some holly leaves. If you don't have holly leaves, you're a shitty wife. I don't know what kind of accent that was. Um, I'm not one to strive for perfection, but during the holidays, it's so easy to point out those spots where it could be feasible for me to do more. We could go chop down our own Christmas tree, but I've never actually gone ahead and planned a trip. I could learn to... Oh, you should do that. It's totally fun. if, If anyone's in Rhode Island and needs a Christmas tree, my buddy Joel Littlefield has a Christmas tree farm called Stop and Chop. Go check it out. I used to cut down trees there. Uh, speaking of SAP, hey folks, Sex Actually Podcast is, uh, acronym is SAP. You get a lot of SAP on your hands. Uh, not sexual SAP. You get that sexual SAP. All right. I could learn to use my sewing machine and make a festival table runner and napkins. A festive table runner and napkins. Okay, Martha Stewart, what the fuck? I could make a beautiful gingerbread house from scratch if I really tried hard. I find myself thinking I'm probably not doing enough, but I feel like I could be doing more. A solution to that irrational feeling might be stepping slowly away from Instagram. (laughs) It's advice that makes sense. Studies show excessive social media use is linked with increased feelings of loneliness, anxiety, and depressive symptoms. I got to tell Tasha. Tasha, uh, copy four. Uh, Step away from the Instagram. Are you feeling lonely, anxiety, and have depressive symptoms? Then quit going on Instagram. Step away from the Pinterest. Sounds like an Eminem song. Step away from the Pinterest. It's in your interest. The best interest not to be on the social media. Yo, okay. (laughs) Oh, fuck. News alert. This podcast is for me. And I'm not drunk. I'm just sipping on my coffee. Sipping on my coffee. Stepping away from the Pinterest on the interest. On the internet. www.anxiety. Perception of loneliness. Okay. What if the cops came in and just arrested me for fucking step away from the microphone? Wilding recommends taking the time you'd otherwise spend surfing Facebook and use it for more restorative activities. So probably not baking gingerbread houses from scratch unless you're truly, truly into that sort of thing. There's plenty of emotional labor to be done without seeking out more. It may be best to reevaluate what you do, drop some commitments and choose to only do the emotional labor that you genuinely value. Okay, so just do what you want to do. Do what you love. If you love making eggnog and it's not labor, then make fucking eggnog. Which, by the way, I made eggnog once. Raw eggs. Fucking amazing. I don't care what you say. You get some vanilla. By the way, why is vanilla extract so expensive? Not that imitation shit, but you ever bought vanilla extract? Holy shit. Um, okay, don't be afraid to drop a ball or two. Wilding says, you'll discover the world won't end. And in fact, we'll encourage other people to start picking up their share of responsibilities. All right, folks, you heard it here first on the Sex Actually podcast. Just drop a ball. Drop it. Who cares? Make something that's less, you know what I mean? I don't know. I, when, I think, when I think of someone sitting at home and stitching together everything to be perfect, I just think, yeesh. You know, unless that's what you love to do. I'm not saying be selfish and just don't do any work, whatever. Put in whatever work it is that, like when, when Tasha and I make soap, um, it's fun. You know what I mean? It's a little stressful. Like the, the, the better we got at it, it's, it's fun. The cleanup is a little stressful, but we do our fair share. We do it together. It's easy to say, hey, we're going to make soap together. Now, if she has to wrap presents for her family and I'm okay with just putting them in a bag, I hate wrapping. I just don't understand why you make something look so nice and then tear it apart like a fucking Tasmanian devil. I don't understand. But that's emotional labor. It's those sneaky times where you don't realize you're dropping the ball on the other one. All I can say is let's just dip away from the perfectionism. Let's not be let's not look at everyone's highlight reel. Yeah, every once in a while you go on Instagram and you see people doing amazing shit, but just do one thing at a time during this holiday season. Anyone else have any stories they want to share about emotional labor during the holidays? It's just an, it's it's just annoying to me because the last thing I want, like I work way too hard to want to be told that Tasha's got more emotional labor than I do. You know what I mean? Cuz I here I am like on my side job. I'm doing the I'm doing the I'm taking the laundry to the place. I'm doing that. I'm running around doing all these things. So I don't want to be like I don't want to think that I'm dropping the ball and she's doing the lion's share of the work. When the case is probably more that she's not necessarily 
saying I'm dropping the ball, but she's doing things I would just otherwise say, man, man, I don't really want to do that. So maybe that's a maybe that's you know I don't I hate to get all gender like male male men do men don't do that women do this but like I think society along with um the perfectionist nature of of women in the household and I'm sure there are women listening going fuck that and you know what maybe you're super happy for that I just can't think of an example where the woman is the one who's like not doing the work and the guy's all stressed out because the guy's like hey honey the gingerbread house isn't done. I'm working on the shingles, and we're out of gummy drops. I don't know. How do you make a gingerbread house? Oh, the crackers are crumbling on the gingerbread home. I don't think it works that way. I think men go, I don't give a fuck. You know why? Because we're fighting wars out there. I don't mean mean to sound insensitive to people actually fighting wars, but like I'm more worried and stressed about my creative life, about the about the shit that I'm doing for my stand-up. I'm not coming home going, the buttermilk pancakes don't have the Santa Claus hat that I asked for, you dumb cunt. I hope my neighbors are listening going, ooh, that's an abusive relationship happening next door. I don't know. Anyway, let's move on from this. Just talking about emotional labor gives me emotional labor. Um, All right, I'm going to read a couple questions from people. We'll get to an hour and get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out. Hello, asshole here. Long story short, I'm 19 and my um, 19-year-old male and my friend is an 18-year-old female. We've been joking about being together and that we're so in love. Sort of like an inside joke within our group. She has a boyfriend, but he was cool with it. Last weekend, we got pretty drunk and had sex after she initiated. Apparently, she's been crushing on me a bit. Yes, I know hell is inevitable and all that. I hate myself for it. I told her she should tell her boyfriend, and even though he saw her on the Snapchat map being at my place at 1 a.m. on a Sunday, she managed to talk her way out of it, and he doesn't know. But I guess he's suspicious. They're long distance, so I guess that's why their relationship is rocky. Should I leave the situation as is, or I have no idea what to do? I told her I'd keep it secret. Only our close friends know. We agreed to keep distance. Haven't talked to her since yesterday. Here's the thing. First of all, you're going to want to fuck this girl even more now that she's like you know, trying not to. We can't do that again. Ugh. What, you're 19. She's 18. What are you going to do? She's in a relationship. I feel like every woman stays in a long-distance relationship to the point where they drive away their partner and somebody cheats. Or man, I'm not making it a gender thing either. Got people getting, oh, I don't want to leave you. It's it's too tough. And then all of a sudden, the you know, like, Trust me, this dude's probably in college fucking around. I mean, I'm sorry, but he probably is. So you so you bang your friend? Who's right? Nobody. Nobody's right. You're 18. You're 19. You're all pieces of shit. Nobody's right. But, uh, you know, you did fuck a girl who had a boyfriend. But um, what are you going to do? I guess maybe, maybe, I mean, and then can you even take this girl seriously? Can you date this girl? Because then what happens when you move away? Then she's going to fuck the next, I mean, it's just a bad precedence. I don't know. You're going to learn something out of it. I, I can't give shitty advice to a shitty situation. Um, this guy wants to know if a girl's out of his league. I'm a 19-year-old male in college. What's up with 19-year-old men? Get your shit together. I need to start touring more universities. I feel like uh, you need uh, old man Dave here to help you guys out. I'm a 19-year-old male in college. I don't think I'm unattractive. By no means a model, but also not ugly. Recently, I've been crushing on this girl I am in a club with. But the reason I think she's out of my league is because she is an amazing academic. She is part of, a, she is part of several clubs, the student senate, and she is following a promising career in medicine. Meanwhile, I'm studying psychology. I realize that my field is generally locked down, uh, uh, looked down upon for many reasons, but my reasons for pursuing this are my own. She is, who's looking down on psychology? I mean, don't get me wrong, you can't do anything with it until you have a master's, but hey, be a comic. Hey, she's an amazing girl, works hard, kind, funny, yet still tough as nails. Not to mention she's the cutest girl I've known since entering college. My worry is that she is on this amazing path and I don't know if I am worthy of her. I have no issues with a significant other who is more successful than me. And I don't think she will care either. But I feel like if I date her, I will just be a distraction. Do girls care about these things or am I overlooking? Um, first of all, I'm not a woman, so I'm going to just give you the man's point of view. I think you're super insecure about what you're doing. You're both in college. She's studying medicine. 
Here's what I never understood. Like, it's super noble that someone's a doctor or, or whatever, but, like, they're not a better person than you. A lot of people get into medicine for the wrong reasons. A lot of them are very unhappy, just like lawyers. It's true. A lot of them are very unhappy. Um, do what... This is what I told Tanya earlier. Do what makes you happy. You guys are in clubs together, so clearly you have... Um, you know, yeah, uh, similar beliefs and ambitions. Just value yourself a little bit more, dude. You know what I mean? Trust me, you're never going to get these years back. So you don't want to be 32 my age. But don't get me wrong, I valued myself. But then again, there were girls I didn't go after because I thought they were out of my league. And then you see them with some chump and you go, what the fuck is she with that guy for? Oh, maybe because that guy believes in himself and you don't. And life's about a believing in yourself. And the sooner you can get around to acknowledging who you have the potential to become, the sooner, it's like investments. The sooner you can invest in yourself, the bigger the dividends. That's all I have to say about that. So look yourself in the fucking mirror, dude. All right? And grow up and say you are enough. And she'd be damn happy to be with you. And if it's not her, it's the next one. Start investing in yourself. All right, three more. I kissed my friend and she kissed back. Now I need advice. I have a friend. She's my best friend here at college. She's really nice and is so good looking with kind of darker blonde hair and blue eyes. So you have to know that I'm on the quiet side. She's more on the outgoing side, but neither of us have a lot of friends other than each other. It's worth noting I don't have a lot of experience with girls. No shit, you're emailing this. I've had one girlfriend and kissed, I think, four girls total. I was afraid to tell her that I liked her, but we spent a lot of time together. So last Saturday night, as I left her apartment, I just kissed her on the lips. My man. I wasn't really nervous because it was so unplanned. I didn't think about it before I did it. She didn't say anything, but just looked up in my eyes, just like in the freaking movies, and kissed me back, and then wrapped both of her arms around me, impressed herself against me, and kissed me again. I tried to act like I wasn't freaking out and just told her goodnight and left. It was the greatest feeling I've ever experienced. We haven't texted since we're both going to be busy with finals this week. Have a few questions. Is it safe to conclude that she likes me back? How can I make it not awkward next time I see her? How do I make her my girlfriend and not mess this up? Okay, okay. First of all, you're experiencing something that every man and woman here can relate to. You're... Uh, out punting your coverage, as it were. You're, you're, you're finding out the true power of the self. The last guy could have used your advice. You just kissed this girl. You just knew the situation was right and you went in for it. It wasn't pre-planned. It was great. Now you have that dopamine rush where you go, oh, fuck, man, this is amazing. I'm fucking terrified. You're not, you're, it's terrifying. I've done that. I did that with Tasha. One of the first times we kissed when like she was my friend and I could tell like I didn't know how to proceed. I kissed her. She was in her car. It was raining. In LA. It was raining in LA. Just drizzling. I kissed her in her car and I walked away. I went back inside. And as I walked away, I had a shit-eating grin on my face. I was like, you motherfucker. What are you doing? What are you doing? You know, did she like it? Did she not? Oh. What a great moment. What a great feeling. Uh, don't overthink things, but don't play it cool. I, I say don't play it cool. Text her. Hey, that was fun. You know what I mean? Keep it simple. Don't, but just imagine she might be like, oh shit, he kissed me. Now it's weird, blah, blah, blah. Don't make it weird. Don't make it weird. Uh, worst case scenario, you guys remain friends and like maybe that was cool, but it's not the right time. But probably there's a lot more mining to do here in this um, mine. <laughs> so you got mind that pussy. No, um, I'm happy for you, man. This sounds like, look, yeah, you've only kissed a few people. Well, now you kiss one more. I mean, it's a, it just experience is something that doesn't come all at once. Um, hopefully you don't come all at once. Uh, been there, done that. Womp womp. Uh, is, it, is it safe to conclude that she likes me back? Dude, she wrapped her arms around you. And now you got finals. Are you going to see her during the break? Are you going to get her a little Christmas gift? I'm not saying a diamond ring, but, you know, something cute and small, like a little stuffed animal. Table. You know what I mean? Put your love for her into something small. Give it to her. Make it, you know, just make it up. Make it up as you go along. Good for you, man. I think a lot of people listen to that and go, oh, fuck yeah. Because so many times you try to make a, make a move and it's not right. And the girl's like, ah. She does that double chin pullback. Like, oh. It's like, no, man. You hung out with her. It was right. You guys kissed. 
now you guys could, uh, you know, maybe uh, sounds like you're a virgin still. You know, maybe she's the one. Maybe she is. Maybe she's not. I don't know. Moving on. Blanket as a Christmas gift for my boyfriend. Um, is this the last one? Is Dana did too much? Um, which one do I want to end up? Blanket, blanket as a Christmas gift for my boyfriend. I'm really struggling with what to get my boyfriend for Christmas. I want to make him something, but also want to give him something he can use. Something we do is every night he will text me good night and I fall asleep and then I text him good morning. We talk in the morning before work and he'll mention he wishes he was cuddling with me. I was thinking of making him a blanket, something that is personal and that he can use. Is that a weird idea? Guys, what would you think? He likes the Red Sox and Patriots. I was thinking of making him a sports blanket. Yeah, I think that's great. I mean, if you have the, if you know how to make a blanket, that's great. Uh, it, it'll, it'll be something he can have to think of you, uh, which is like, you know, the nicest thing you can do short of manipulating someone is like, yeah, it's a gift that he will look at and think of you. And, you know, that's great. Um, I say go for it. I think homemade gifts are the best thing. We talked about this earlier. There's no need to be doing some heavy gifts. Uh, just, you know, nothing else to say. Good gift idea. Last one. Is this date idea too much? I have been seeing this guy for about a month now, and I plan on taking him out on somewhat of a surprise date for our fifth one. He attends college about an hour away from mine, and I plan on picking him up then, driving about 30 minutes away to a Christmas lights festival. We both have never been to one, and I think it would be a cute idea. I also plan on getting a pizza for us to share on the way there, since we have the same favorite kind. I have about zero dating experience prior to this relationship, and I was wondering if this is too much to do for someone who is not a boyfriend or an official relationship. I am too afraid that I will scare him off or something stupid like that. All right, here, here's the thing with this. I've dated girls that I was into, but but they did too much and it scared me away and it's not, it wasn't their fault. They were just super romantic and wanted to do these little things for me. And it was just like, Oh my gosh, you put in this much time for me. Then if I'm not ready, blah, blah, blah. What you have here is perfect. A surprise day to do something. It's not heavy and you're going to get pizza. Perfect. I don't, I wouldn't do anything else. I wouldn't do anything else other than get a really good photo with him. That's it. And let it be romantic. Have some hot wine, some cider, some hot cocoa, maybe a hand job beneath some of the uh, Christmas trees. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, don't get sap on your hands. Hey, folks. Uh, look, it sounds like it's a great idea. Uh, when you, The fact that you're thinking that it's going to be too much to spook him away, it's like, well, would you even want to be with a guy then, you know, that just wants to fucking, you know, fuck you in your dorm room and not go out? I think it's cute. It's uh, thoughtful. It's, uh, yeah, it's great. You all are great. What else can I say before I get out of here? Um, this won't be... We have a couple more episodes before Christmas. I'm flying out uh, soon. I'm not supposed to say what day. Uh, I've got a lot of events going on. I'm glad I got the chance to talk to you guys by myself. And hey, for those listening, I'm not making up Tanya's email. These are real folks writing in. Uh, sexactuallypodcast.gmail.com. Slide into my Instagrams, dneals, D-N-E-A-L-Z, or the sexactuallypod on Instagram. Just say hello. Start off there. But I do want to hear about you. I want to know about your dating life, uh, how you've been influenced from your family, older siblings, uh, what it is that you're doing in life to be the best version of yourself. How are you making this world better off than when you got it? Uh, that's a kind of what we're here to do, right? Make the world a little bit better of a place. Is that a Michael Jackson song? I don't know. Make the world a better. The worst voice. I can't do ballet and I can't sing. Those are my flaws. All I can do is talk to you, fine folks. I get a lot of joy out of this. This is my therapy. Thank you for being a part of it. Write in to sexactuallypodcast at gmail.com. Let me know what you think. If you need to get me a Christmas gift, share this with your friends. We have a lot of big things coming along, but what we need more than anything is to, you know what I mean? What I need for my career, what I would love for my career more than anything is to just have enough people subscribing and listening where I can go on the road and do live shows and get to meet a lot of you fine folks. I'd love it if there was a hundred people in London that were like, hey, we'd come see a show, mate. They say mate. Is that Australian? I don't know. All right, governor. Uh, I'd love it to be like, okay, then I can book a show because if a hundred people want to see a show, then that's enough to get me out there. You know what I mean? So... Uh, don't think that you're just a stranger in Utah. You're not. You have your own social community. Share this with a friend. Any advice you want to give me on things I can do to make this better, I want to grow this thing. I want 2018 to be a fucking amazing year. Uh, and I'm gearing up for that big time. This is no joke, guys. I got new mic stands, and I'm ready for world domination. 
It's like pinky in the brain. You guys remember that one? What's our plan today, brain? The same thing we do every day, pinky. But where can we find a tattoo parlor this time of night or something? Wow, if you didn't know what that one was, you'd be like, what the fuck? Anyway, look, I'm trying to stall this to get it to an hour. I'm at 59 minutes, 30 seconds. Oh, boy. Let's end on a random thought. You like your reverence? Boy, don't buy nonstick pans for Christmas. They never work. I've never met a nonstick pan that did its fucking job. Nonstick pans are like senators. They don't do shit, and they touch girls. I don't know. Okay, folks, that's it for me. Love you guys. See you next time. Bye.